Welcome to Dwight in Shining Armor, the Sunken Kingdom, the behind-the-scenes podcast about everything Dwight. I'm Josh Breslow, and I play Yakopo. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Albin Elfid Day, written by Leanne H. Adams and Brian J. Adams, directed by James Larkin, guest-starring Evan Hofer, Danielle Bizzuti, and Matthew Davis. As always, we have a blanket spoiler alert, so if you haven't watched Season 2, Episode 4 yet, stop whatever you're doing, then 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 stop whatever you're doing, doing, and watch Alden Elfid Day, either on BYU TV or at BYUtv.com slash Dwight. A quick recap. You know when you get together with family and friends for the holidays and everyone starts out with a lot of excitement and enthusiasm and by the end of the day everyone is weary and just wants the day to end? Well, Dwight and Greta are stuck living that joyous day of Alban Elfid Day over and over until, we don't know, the end of time. They must find a way out of this exhaustingly celebratory loop. And now that everyone's been brought up to date, let's get to our guests. For the first time this season, we have the creators and showrunners of Dwight and Shining Armor and the writers of this episode, Leanne and Brian Adams. Welcome back. Hey, it's yeah. good to be back. It's wonderful to be back here at the Comedy Store. <laughs> yes, yes, it's so good to have you guys back. Um, you guys want to jump right into this one? This yeah. is a crazy episode. This is a crazy episode. Right? Okay, okay. So, well, actually, before we get into the episode proper, where does Alban Elfid Day come from? Alban Elfid Day is an actual uh, Celtic pagan festival that luckily we don't know too much about. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we know it existed. Uh, we know it was celebrated. It's kind of like a, you know, a, a fall sort of Thanksgiving-ish festival, but we don't know much more about it than that. So that gives us a lot of leeway mm-hmm. to do whatever we want with it. So it, we were looking for, uh, w- well, we wanted to do like a Thanksgiving episode. And we thought, well, what's what's Greta's version of Thanksgiving? <laughs> you know, what kind of pressure can we put on her to be hosting Thanksgiving? We all uh, have had that experience. Those of us that live in, in the U.S., that that first time that you host Thanksgiving and it's all on you and there's all this pressure and so we you thought, have What's... to make the turkey oh my gosh. and the stuffing that your mom used to make <laughs> and it is a ton of pressure and we thought you know what's the equivalent for Greta that she has to host this event um, and, and that's when we did a bunch of research on what were the Celtic or the pagan um, uh, harvest festivals and we found this Alban Elfid Day and our first thought was it's just too awkward to say Alban Elfid Day Alban Elfid Day <laughs> like if no one's no one's going to be able to pronounce it properly what a pain it's sort of an obnoxious sounding phrase and then the more we said it the more we loved it for that reason <laughs> the whole point is it's supposed to be obnoxious um, so so yes all Alpha day becomes our sort of thanksgiving and we have little moments that that seem thanksgiving ish about it with this there's a feast and there's these games and and all this tradition associated with it but then we got to research what those those traditional games might have been. Now, nobody ever did a Jester's Joust. Nobody ever did a turnip launch. With, that with we completely, no, 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 no. We made that up 100%. <laughs> but we took a lot of inspiration from actual medieval or even further back, um, uh, like, like festival holiday games that can get a little crazy. And some of them um, have persisted even into the 21st century, just traditionally, like, like in, um, in England, there's this particular hill where once a year they'll they have the ceremony of rolling the cheese yes and people like 
really do get their teeth knocked out. They really oh do God. have to go they to the do. emergency room. And, it, and it's, it's insane, but they sh- still do it. They park the ambulances at the bottom of the hill because not. people are destroyed <laughs> and, and there's, when they get to the bottom. And there's, a, there's another one, what's called like the, the wife carry. The wife carry. Relay or something. They, they, That's they, in you Norway, have to, I think. You have to put your wife on your shoulders and it's a race. And, and they, they have this weird, I, since this is the radio, you can't see, but they like wrap their legs around. Oh, yeah. Uh, hold on to the back and they run around like it's crazy. Two, and again, it's a two person race, a man carrying a woman. Um, and so she has to, for efficiency's sake, she has to kind of hold him in this very awkward way. Right. Um, and then they run together and they're these mega athletes that do this, but it all comes from a Viking tradition of who was best at grabbing the woman and getting away with her. <laughs> oh my God, that's horrifying. Like, that's Isn't how, it terrible? Yeah, that's, that's actually and then terrible. They, they turned it into a game that then persisted into a festival and now people still do it. <laughs> and that's how Leanne and I met. Oh, fact. oh. I, I, I was curious about it. I've never heard that story. So, okay, now it all makes, I understand everything. Let's listen to a clip. I brought party favors. What do you think? Should we hand them out at the beginning or at the end? Hurry, Sir Dwight. The guests are waiting. What for? For us to ring the bell. You and I are Lord and Lady of the Alban Alpha Day Feast. Eh? Tradition dictates that we must ring the Alban Alpha Day bell and let the festivities begin. Copy that. <laughs> Happy Alban Alpha Day! <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I love Alban Elfid Day! <laughs> mm. Tis the most festive day of the year. We shall do it all. Feasting and jesters jousting and... When is the turnip lunch? The what? This is my year. You start with a little bit of portent. You open with the question from Dwight about whether to give out party favors at the beginning or the end. When in the process of writing do you land on little flourishes like that? Well, that was, uh, it started out as Dwight's attempt to be relevant in this party. <laughs> you know, right. he doesn't know anything about Alban Elfa Day, but he was in charge of the party favors. And so he has put his best into it. And so we wanted to sort of lead off with Dwight's attempt to participate. Um, but, and then, you know, he has a little bit of anxiety also about getting the day right. But then as we started structuring it and we we needed to plant uh, little story elements that were going to become significant later, that we set that up and then we forget about it until the moment when the magic trick comes back into play. Right. It's a it's a bubble bubble rifle on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Chekhov's bubbles. That's right. Or Babel's, I believe Babel's. it's. Uh, <laughs> so if you're watching very closely, you say to yourself. What's with the party favors? Like he mentions it and then we never mention it again, but that's sort of deliberate. We want the audience to forget all about the the bubble makers until the moment when Dwight also has to remember them and say, hey, maybe this could work right. as the magic trick. So what began as a character device to sort of show Dwight's willingness to to participate and to be part of the party planning, um, it turns into actually the, the, the solution that they come up uh, with for the magic. Um, and then you're absolutely correct. So much of this story is about um, trying to get everything right, mm-hmm. um, and so and, and get it right in the sequencing, and like, how are we planning this? How are we going to do this? So to even lead off the episode with Dwight asking Greta, "Are we doing this right?" sort of sets thematically the tone for the episode that this episode is going to be a lot about trying to get things right. <laughs> um, and and in a, just a little hint of a way we show that even in the beginning. Which, of course, is perfect for Dwight, who is obsessive about getting things right and yep. proper. Absolutely. And if there's no answer, then it's going to drive him insane. It, it will drive him crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and the rest of the cast, too, so, on this episode. <laughs> so speaking of driving people crazy, you have the, the circuity of ringing the bell to open and close the festivities. Yep. And, of course... Uh, in the case of the Infinity Curse to restart the day, we're 
Were you looking specifically for an auditory cue? Because it cuts so perfectly using that bell. Well, it, it does help us out uh, a lot. And what, what we really needed was some way that Dwight and Greta could restart the day at their own whim uh, because they need to restart it at a lot of different places. Um, and so uh, the bell is is very on brand for the medieval world. Uh, mm-hmm. They use lots of bells. So we don't know for sure if it was part of the Alban Alpha Day celebration, but it probably was. Uh, so there's there's a lot of bells. <laughs> they used a lot of, used a lot of bells. Uh, and this this just worked perfectly to give them the opportunity to, almost like in a video game, to, to respawn uh, mm-hmm. when they needed to, to start the level over again. It's like, okay, right. this wasn't working. Let's start over. And so giving them that that, that bell that they could use anytime they wanted to really helped us in the storytelling. That's I didn't think about that. It yeah. gives them the agency. That, right. Of yeah. course, that makes sense. Instead of it just starting at the stroke of midnight or something. Yeah, right. Or, right. or like in, in Groundhog Day, you know, he has to either die or go to sleep in order to start the day over again. And that right. because they they have, uh, you know, in Groundhog Day, it's a feature length film. And <laughs> we, we, had, we had 24 minutes yes. uh, to tell yes. our story. So we needed to, to be able to start over the day. And, and you know, it, it was a lot more fun. Uh, especially in some of the montage sequences, I you know, I love the way Sloan played it with just he, the random ways he reads. <laughs> yes, the uh, and like, it's start, a, start again, start again. Start again. <laughs> yeah, the, watching them both get exhausted yeah. and go yeah. to it on their own. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the big question for me as a writing nerd is, how do you go about structuring and plotting this Groundhog Day esque mm-hmm. kind of story? This one was mind bending in the in the construction of the script. We we uh, went at it, kind of ran at it a few different ways, and what we finally settled on, just for our own sanity, is in every um, in, in in every slug line, we had to indicate what day we were on. So um, it's oh. it's day one. So we would say, you know, interior Greta's uh, castle, great hall, day day one. Right. Um, and, and we'd let those scenes play out. And then now we're in day two. Now we're in day 12. Now we're in day 27. <laughs> and and uh, and then what we would do, you know, the, it, there's this repetition to it that is the hopefully the charm of the episode is all this repetition. It is also the maddening element of for Dwight and Greta of the episode that the day keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. Um, but for us, we had to keep track of the emotional state of the characters in each day. So Dwight's day one and day two are very distinct from one another. Yes. And then Dwight's day three is very distinct from day two. Dwight's day 13 is very distinct from every other. Like, So Dwight and Greta especially are going through... Um, a uh, very specific uh, character trauma <laughs> um, in, in this uh, in this that we had to track as we went through. So so to do that, we as the writers we were always aware of what day Dwight and Greta were in. Um, then we get into the other characters of, of Baldrick and Hexala uh, and and Clodwig and even the Mummer, and they need to be reacting to the subtle differences in Dwight and Greta's performance. So the first time, day one, everyone's up, everyone's happy. In the next day, they, um, when when they come in up and happy and Dwight and Greta are confused, there's a little bit of a reaction to that that we had to account for uh, in the day two of our supporting characters right. as well like how are they going to now respond to the new dialogue that that they're being given slight difference it's a slight difference um and then those differences get get more and more pronounced as we go through until when Dwight and Greta start just interrupting them, saying, guys, we got to fill you in. <laughs> Infinity spell. <laughs> Infinity spell. Oh, man. Then that changes the way that the, that, the, that that day is going to play out. Right. So we did quite a bit of um, 
of mapping it out on the walls. You know, what day are we in? What's the everyone's mood in this day? How are they interacting with each other in this day? The first day is, you know, normal day. Dwight realizes how dangerous things are and won't won't do the tasks, yeah. which comes into play later. The second day is pure confusion. Mm-hmm. And then the third day they start to get what's going yeah. on. And to make their plan. So so right. they get they they get this theory that it's about getting the day right. Oh, if we can get the day right. And that is something Dwight can latch onto. Like, yeah. okay, ha ha, I get it. Here's the solution. We just have to execute these tasks perfectly. Right. And that becomes, that gives them hope, honestly. Right. Um, it gives that, them an, an objective. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it also, it as an audience member, for some reason that feels like an appropriate answer. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. you see that and you go, oh yeah, of course, sure. of yeah. course. And then you're watching it going, if they, you believe it, yeah, you believe you do. their well, theory. It's, it is Groundhog Day. In the end, Groundhog Day, he had to get that day right. He right. had to get it perfectly right. right. <laughs> and right. after who knows how many centuries of attempts, <laughs> he finally does get the day right. So we're sort of familiar with that idea that fate might right. play a trick on you if you're if you just keep messing things up. Um, and and then you know, and for a while we thought, well, maybe that is the answer it's elegant it it feels correct but not in this show yeah. <laughs> no and, and that's the fun you gotta of it. put a twist on it okay so now that we've gone over the crazy story structure <laughs> of uh, this monstrous undertaking um let's talk a little bit about the bizarre process of shooting an episode sure. like this i don't we've talked about block shooting on this podcast in the sense of we're doing two episodes in similar locations yep. so we shoot scenes from different episodes at the same place on the same day but we've right. never talked about block shooting within an episode right so this this episode was uh, we developed it totally differently we always had the idea of like a medieval thanksgiving but we didn't have the the sort of uh, infinity spell element to it which really was born out of a um budgetary necessity and we needed something that we could shoot mostly on our sets and that we could shoot relatively quickly i think Mm -hmm. we shot this episode in four and a half days Mm -hmm. it would be really contained yeah and so block shooting the beauty of it is that you're shooting uh, let's say two separate scenes two or more separate scenes (laughs) in this case (laughs) uh, that are that are in the same location ideally have like the same or similar costume and you know hair and makeup design and all that stuff. So it it saves a lot of time. Uh, so that's that's the beauty of it. The the difficulty, especially in this case, is we were shooting infinity of scenes <laughs> right. in the same locations, which which was great and that saved a lot of, of time in production. But it made it maddening uh, for for continuity, especially since there are nuances between scenes, but they're pretty uh, you know slight nuances. Uh, and so uh, for every department, keeping track of okay, um, there is a little bit different here but it's mostly the same it's it's crazy and the other thing when you're shooting a scene normally like if we were shooting the scene of uh, you know Josh Leanne and Brian in a podcast mm-hmm. uh, we would probably shoot I mean you need like a, a wide a medium and tight of, of every person so depending on how many characters are in the scene you may end up shooting the same scene you know, eight to 15 times uh, just for normal. Uh, right. But then if you're doing seven different variations of that, someone yeah. get out the calculator. I mean, it's yeah. a yeah. lot of, you're shooting those same lines literally dozens of times. And and we shot this uh, over four and a half days. And literally it was like we were stuck in Groundhog Day and people were going <laughs> bonkers. I mean, and not, not even like a joke, like people were going nutso because it was like we were doing the same scene over and over and yeah. over and over and over again for days. They're like, how be all but now for day and I mean it got crazy 
like to a funny extent for a while. I'm like, haha, happy album of the day. And at the end, people literally could see the madness in their eyes. Like, I don't say that ever again. Happy album of the day. Literally hundreds of times yeah. we had to do the same thing over and over again, which was good for production. But then it also, I, I think it, we went to the Oof. like insane level. We did. And our, our director, James Larkin, did a magnificent job yeah. on this very complex episode because what he had to track was the emotional state of all the characters and their intentions with all the lines. So, so and you know, skipping from like, yes. okay, now we're in scene two, now we're in scene yeah. seven, now we're in scene 18, and like the madness in the eyes. Yeah. And he really nailed he that. He did. So, so kudos to him. Yeah. So, for example, if you look just at, at the happy Alban Alpha Day moment that happens, you know, a dozen times mm-hmm. uh, in, in, the, in this story. Um, so, so the way that we would block shoot it is, is if we had all the cameras turned, let's say, to on Dwight and Greta. Um, the first one we would do would be day one right. and they're happy. So James Larkin would say, all right, it's day one. You're happy. This is all new to you. And then, and then you shoot that six times, you know, yeah. in different, you know, different coverage exactly. and different, you know, sizes. And then James says, all right, we're going to day two. So now you're, you're confused and let's do it all again. But now you're a little confused. And now we go to day three and now you're upset Yeah. <laughs> and let's do it all again. And you're upset. Now we're going to go to day 15. It's okay. Infinity spell. So, and, and so, you know, uh, uh, Sloan and Caitlin had to go through this series um, all one after another. And that is really, uh, I mean, if you think of the, the, the mental calculus that you're doing uh, as you're trying to, to figure this out and cameras are pointed at you and, and you're high, always under pressure, high stress yeah, so. and they were amazing and all of our actors. So you can see that it starts to compound really, really quickly once you're repeating the scene, but with these slight variations, James Larkin had to be constantly tracking those slight variations. Brian and I, who were sitting at Video Village, were constantly tracking those variations. There came a moment, I think in day four, where James, like, just turn into a puddle. <laughs> like he had to kind of stop for a minute and say, "Okay, hold on. I uh, give me just a second. I have to figure this out." Yeah. Um and and we all had those moments and the actors had those moments too. We're like, "Wait, what day are we in? What what's happening in this version of this scene?" It was a huge challenge. And so when you look at, you know, the differences of the expression uh on on the actors' faces, a huge kudos to them and yeah. to to James for keeping that all straight because it was not easy. You know, like Leanne said, the cameras were all pointing, you know, just to the head of the table, you know, like 15 different times yeah. and then 15 times that. Uh, and then we turn the cameras around and do it all the other way. I mean, it's it was serious story calculus. Yeah, it, it was rough. It was rough. And and this was the episode, too, where, you know, we wrote the script and Brian and I, you know, we laughed our butts off, as mm-hmm. we always do. Because <laughs> <And>, <laughs> when it's just the two of us, everything's funny. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we, we thought, this I, this is going to be special. and uh, But we're nervous. It's very different. This script is very different. We turn it in and everyone read it and kind of went, this, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to work. And, and then we get into shooting it and we're watching it. We're like, I think it's going to work. But it, this episode, more than any other that we've done, we didn't know if it was going to work until we saw it cut together, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it was it was a little scary until we saw it cut together, yeah. and, and then it 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 does work, and it honestly it's it's one of my favorite oh, episodes. Absolutely, same. It's uh you know rough cuts of episodes are never good for no, anybody. Horrible. No, a terrible experience. And yet I saw a maybe not quite rough cut, but an early yeah. cut of this episode, and it was immediately yeah. one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. It works so yeah. well. Yeah. That, that's what we thought too. We saw the first rough cut, and it was rough, but we just went, oh my gosh, it's gonna work. It's gonna work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We have an outsider character, which is Hexla, mm-hmm. in this episode, and I feel like she is in an emotional state that is different from any other episode she's in. She is pure 
holiday spirit. <laughs> it's holiday Hexla. Yeah. Holiday Hexla is the action figure. <laughs> she just throws her powder in your attire. face. <laughs> um, what was it like writing her for this? You know, it's it must have been fun to write her so yeah, differently. Yeah, we, we looked at this episode as as sort of Aldrich and Hexla's first kind of date together. They're hanging out socially. He's clearly invited her yeah. to Alban Alpha Day with the family. And so there was a, a, like, they're letting their guards down a little bit. She's been invited to Thanksgiving. That means something, right? Yeah. Like, so we played with the idea that, that there was more... Um, that this was a more intimate environment and she was letting her guard down a little bit and that they all were uh, because it's all been alpha day. And also, you know, the, these folks are are uh, transplants from another time. They're isolated in this modern world. This is something they can all share. It that feels they, like home. It feels like home. We put aside all the other stuff because it's because, you know, because it's all, Christmas. All been alpha you know? day comes but once a year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so we do get to see this more friendly, less prickly version of Hexla, where everyone is letting their guard down around her. Put aside your grudges for all the yeah, yeah. Everyone does. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that felt it felt okay. Like we could go that far with it. Um, you'll you'll see as you continue to watch that we're not ready to completely trust Hexla yet, but we do get a little bit of of a glimpse of where where she might fit into our ensemble. It doesn't always have to be adversarial with her. So in the most Dwight way, he's all in for celebrating and learning about the new holiday until he sees the physical danger in the gesture jousting and the turnip launch. How did you land on Dwight's fear of bodily harm being kind of the kickoff to doing the day wrong? Well, I I think... In a way, this is a commentary on the difference between, I feel so old saying this, <laughs> our generation versus the sort of Gen Z. I mean, uh, we came from the generation of, uh, I never owned a bike helmet, you know, and I was like, you know, we were always just jumping off stuff and skateboarding around and, you know, breaking our teeth out, literally, and, you know, that sort of stuff. And, and I think in, in some good ways and some bad ways, the younger generation is a, is a little bit more conservative, uh, and they're a lot more about being physically safe. So it seems Dwightish to be uh, a little less game to just jump into physical danger. Um, and so that uh, I, I think that's a little bit of a commentary. Well, and these games are ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so he's the one that's looking at it going, what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous. And you're not going to get good fortune for a year. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you catch a turn up. It's going to knock your teeth out. It's going to knock your teeth out. <laughs> I feel like he's the opposite of the kid from A Christmas Story who's like, <laughs> his parents are warning him and he's like, no, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to shoot my eye out. Yeah. He, and this is the adults and, being like, no, yes. do it. He's like, I am going to <laughs> To lose my teeth, and I think that is the commentary uh, about this the shift uh, right. generationally that th these guys are a little bit. This generation is a little bit more conservative. Absolutely, uh, and they would do not want to shoot their eye out. Uh, they only have two. No, yeah. like, no, I don't want weird. that. That's dangerous. <laughs> How did all the stunts work in this sequence? Because we have the jester joust, we have the turnip launch. I, I want to hear about the prop work for the turnip launch as well. Yeah. So, uh, well, our our prop department uh, last year. Uh, was really incredible, uh, led mostly by Hunter and Jerrica. They were and great. They, oh. So they built the uh, uh, the catapult. It's called a trebuchet. The trebuchet. Yeah. I may have trebuchet. just made that word up. No, that's definitely okay. a word. <laughs> that is a hardcore word. So they built the trebuchet, <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and, and which really works. Uh, that's not movie magic. You, really? You crank that oh, sucker down. It you will put something hurl in there, a turnip. And it will take someone's Who took that home? Off. Who, who it's, oh, we, we have it. it. We moved you it to do? Georgia, and we actually we use it for set decoration all 
all the time. Anytime we're in Greta's backyard, it's just sitting there. Because, I mean, it, it's, it's such beautiful. a beautiful prop. So we had uh, we had stunties for uh, for Evan, who plays Cloudwig, for Sloane, who plays Dwight, and for uh, Caitlin, who plays Greta. Not for Danielle. Danielle likes to do her own stuff. She is so, so hardcore. <laughs> yes, so she is. Danielle did her own writing on the back of the stunt performer. She did her own <laughs> swinging of the baguette. Caitlin did some of that as well. Um, she was sort of uh, half and half, right. I would say. Um, but we, we didn't feel as comfortable having Caitlin do that because there's the moment when Dwight falls and she has to kind of tumble off of him a right. few times, actually. He falls with her on his back. 27 and, or so times. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> so we thought, you know, let's not put Caitlin through that fall where she could easily twist an ankle. She could easily, you know, uh, be harmed. So so we had a stunt performer for that part of it. But Danielle, who never had to take a fall like that, she did all of her own writing, all of her own swinging of the baguette. And in the moment uh, when she dives to catch the turnip, that was Danielle, just went for it. She gets hit in the face with the turnip and does that herself. Like, she's just just very game. So we had such uh, great stunt performers that were such good close matches to our actors that I would find myself walking around being like, oh, Sloan, oh, way, you're not Sloan. <laughs> uh, they really looked, uh, they were really close matches. So, uh, and they were, you know, game for for anything that poor guy that had to fling himself on his face uh, in the fall so that Dwight's teeth could come out. Right. That was a hard fall. I would imagine. And how did we do the teeth? So <laughs> that was one of the funniest moments ever. Well, and I have to say, this is <laughs> this is Leanne's worst fear coming. Me too. No, Having my teeth knocked I'm out. I'm terrified <laughs> of losing well, she, teeth. You know, talking about you know not putting yourself in physical danger. <laughs> I ride bikes a lot, and so uh-huh. I bought Leanne a bike, and 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 she has this. I, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, <laughs> but she has this fear. She's like, I'm. I have this fear that I'm gonna fall, and I'm gonna just look up, and all my teeth are gonna be out, and I'm just blood. Like, hey guys, my teeth. <laughs> so, so we actually worked that in, and the way we did it was Sloan. It was um, they put. <laughs> I'm glad to know there are other people with that. Oh, oh I, it's that really is a huge fear for weird. me. They put some kind of it was like black tape. It was black tape. Uh, okay, and then they had some prop teeth that he was able to just spit, spit out. out. Was it corn or was it you know, I, actual I, prop teeth? I think it I might know. have been corn. <laughs> Something not very fancy. Right, uh, but it, it was. It was, and it, that was the last shot of the day, and the whole crew. We were. Dying, falling over laughing. In, in fact, it didn't make the cut, unfortunately, just because of time constraints. But Joel was la- laughed so hard he went down to the ground, rolling around laughing. <laughs> it was the funniest thing we'd ever seen. And if we had had just ten seconds more, we, we would have used it oh, for that's sure. Great. But it was really, really funny, and it did get allow me to play out my worst. <laughs> My worst yeah, fear. You've exercised that. Uh, <laughs> in one of the iterations, uh, Baldrick almost destroys the world. <laughs> that darn scepter. Uh, as the table, that that was the last scene we shot in the episode. So when I was talking about the madness going on, we were oh, finally yeah. at the end of all of that. Um, and, and it was a, a real relief to have it done and so we practically lifted up the table and all the stuff started practically sliding off the table matt davis the mummer is sliding off holding on to that pig to the pig yep (laughs) yep and and so but there was but there was this crazy moment and everyone was so ready to be done with it but and we nailed it we nailed the you know everything falling off the table but then we found i I won't call anybody out but one of the actors had their sides on the table oh no under 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 the table under under some of the table dressing so uh, 
as all the dressings started to slide off, the sides were there. And that actor, uh, who I won't, was like devastated. Like, oh my gosh, I ruined the take and now we have to do this horrible scene again. <laughs> but, and, I, and I was like, calm down. Everything's cool. We'll just take those out in post. So we, so as we were doing all the other visual effects, we just you know cleaned up the sides. Because it. They, yeah. when yeah, it, it, was, it was unexpected. I mean, it's natural to hide your sides. I mean, actors hide their yeah. sides all over the set. But they didn't expect that all the dressings were going to be cleared off. And yeah. they're, they're sides, like plain as day in the middle <laughs> of the so table. so funny. And, and just for people at home, sides are the pages of the script that you're shooting that day. Yeah, and actors, you know, oftentimes, understandably, review their lines right before they shoot the scene or in between takes. And, and so it's it's totally, you know, fine to have your sides with you and hide them, you know, under the couch cushion. But you don't know the couch cushion is going to be exposed. Exactly. When the end of the world yes. comes. We're also expanding Greta's family tree. In Winnie, we met King Fergus the Lost, her fourth great-grandfather, and then the next episode, Auntie Ermie and the Dragon, and now we have Uncle Arnulf. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, absolutely. Our... our, our uh... Our family and, and our community is sort of extending outward like a big web, and that's usually how we map it. Um, our storyline doesn't usually map out in a linear sort of way. It mm-hmm. maps out like a great big web that travels outward from Dwight and Greta. So that's how we think of our of our community of characters. So definitely the web is getting bigger and more complex. That's great. Um, so... They finally get to celebrate the day without the mummer, which is the true gift for Dwight. (laughs) Uh, And by the end of the episode, Dwight, despite having lived this day at least 27 times, is finally ready to make merry. Uh, Did Dwight have to go through this gauntlet in order to really appreciate the day? I, I think so. I think he has this great moment um, right there at the end when they are so distraught after after they've killed the mummer with the lava spell and everything, and they're just sitting on the table so, so, so distraught. And and he has this turn where he realizes that Albanelfa Day is not about you and me having a good time, Greta. It's about making the day great for everyone else. They're not under a curse. They don't know that that what we're going through, we need to just suck it up put a smile on and, and make this a great day for everyone else. And I, which is the holiday summed up for it all. Really of us. Is. <laughs> like, it really is. It's really, really true. Especially if you're the grown up in, in the room, mm-hmm. it is your job. You may have done this. You may have done Thanksgiving and Christmas so many times that the, you know, it's not really for you anymore. If you're the grown up, then you're the one that's like, this isn't about me. This is about the kids. This is about the family. This is about everybody else having a good time. And that's how you're going to, survive the holidays it's well, also how you're gonna have a great that's time. where the magic actually yeah. comes in and we have kids as you know um, and and making these holidays you know special for them really does bring the joy for us mm-hmm. as well right uh, so yeah so that's that's the conclusion a little bit of a lesson in there to. yeah yeah it's the conclusion he's come to so that at the end when you know baldrick and and especially uh claudwig oh, yeah. <laughs> and hexla they still want to have their alban alpha day um and dwight is it is at a place where he's like yep Let's do it. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I remember uh, my mom or even my grandma talking about, like, wow, it's Christmas again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, okay. <laughs> time to make the yeah, turkey. Yeah, it's time to make the turkey. And to them, it, it, you know, after you've done it as many years as they had hosted Thanksgiving and Christmas, it must have felt like they were caught in some <laughs> kind of horrific loop. Um, but they always just rallied and made it special for everyone else. That's incredible. Well, I love that. <laughs> it's a great ending for Dwight. All right. Well, that wraps it up for season two, episode four of Dwight and Shining Armor, The Sunken Kingdom, the behind the scenes podcast about everything Dwight. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Thank you. 
You can follow Brian on Instagram at Brian underscore J underscore Adams. You can follow Leanne at Leanne H. Adams. You can follow the show at Dwight and Shining Armor. And you can follow me at The Josh Breslow. Tune in again next week for season two, episode five, Switcheroo. (laughs) I'm Josh Breslow. Thanks for listening. Go on an adventure today. It might change your life.